Welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK-12 math teachers. And that includes you, elementary teachers, and I am Dwayne Habecker. I'm the math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education. And I'm Maggie Peters. I am the math consulting teacher for the Rincon Valley School District up here in Northern California. Every other week, Maggie and I are going to share a new math research study or article or some other mathy thing, and we're going to talk it over, bounce ideas off of each other, and think about how to implement it in the classroom. So, Maggie, what's up? Not much. Just trying to get through the week. <laughs> Two weeks have flown by, and we're here recording already. I know. Isn't this crazy? Yeah, I'm still in my new job, but two weeks keeps flying by, and every two weeks keeps flying by like an instant. It's crazy. I know, I know, I know. And I never feel like I have enough time to do anything, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, so what topic are we focusing on today? Okay, well, okay, I thought, uh, okay, we know about the Common Core. We know as coaches, you and I, we're trying to get our, our teachers to kind of maybe let go of some of the old ways that we've been teaching and doing business and try and embrace a, this new approach to math teaching that is really um, has a wider door. It's going to, we want to try and teach in a way that meets more kids' needs. Uh, than in the past, right? So I thought I would venture into what I've been calling the gateway drug to Common Core. I don't know if that's a, a trigger warning there, right there. But anyway, <laughs> it's the gateway drug to Common Core. It's really number talks is, is how I see if I could get teachers doing number talks, man, they are 90% of the way towards where uh, I want them to be. And we aren't necessarily going to focus on one article this time around, uh, but we're going to be pulling from several places, and uh, we're going to be go going from Sherry Parrish's book on number talks, plus maybe the one on fractions, and we're going to talk about the computation strategies and some ideas from Joe Bowler. Okay. Yeah, and we'll also be um, pulling from Making Number Talks Matter um, by Kathy Humphreys and Ruth Parker. It's, um, it's taking your your uh, number talks and taking them further um, and, and making them more meaty and rigorous. So, so let's get into it. Okay. Let's first define what these gateway drug, this gateway drug <laughs> called number talks. Okay. So a number talk for the teachers who haven't heard of it, it's a short, you know, five to 10 minute maybe 15 minutes, but short, ongoing, daily routine that provides students with meaningful, ongoing practice with computation. So they help students make sense of their own mathematical ideas because the expectation is that students will use number relationships and the structures of numbers to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Okay. Um, and I have to say that like all three of the authors that were like, referring to this week, they all stressed that these need to be short. They're not supposed to replace any curriculum or take up the majority of the time, but rather give a short blast um, to allow kids to practice their number sense using mental strategies. So I want to make that really clear. It's not a paper pencil activity. It is something to get kids mentally thinking and talking about math in a short period of time. Yeah, those are the big two bullet points uh, for newbies to the number talk world. One, keep it short. 
And then two, it's a mental activity, a mental math routine, not no paper and pencil. So that's the, the, the two big bullets that we want people to follow. And, and really, that's the really the primary goal of number talks, which is the computational fluency. So kids develop computational fluency while thinking and reasoning like mathematicians. And, and during a number talk, they're asked to make connections and look for relationships. And quite frankly, because we're asking the students to do this in their brain, they have to start forming those number relationships because they cannot rely on just this blind, rote application of a silly algorithm that is meaningless to them. So when students are doing it in their brain, they're really forced to create that mathematical understanding that we desperately want them to uh, have. Right. And what's even more cool about it is that kids are super engaged because their strategies, they want to be heard, they want to be able to like explain it. And then in turn, when they share their strategies with others, they learn to clarify and express their thinking, which is a math practice. They're building the use of mathematical languages. So absolutely. And talking about last episode where uh, one of our pillars or principles of UDL is engagement. Uh, nothing creates engagement more than when a student is sharing her method and you call it the Lisa method because her name is Lisa and all of a sudden those students when you name the, the method after their name they they sit a little taller and and they're a little bit more proud and you know yep. what they want to come back to class the next day and you know if nothing else happens other than that it's a win, right? Totally. Uh, so I also think that it's important that um, we talk about the fact that Parrish is, she's pretty clear about the goals for specific grade bands, right? So right. Um, one of the big things I hear teachers asking me is, well, what, what kind of problems do I use? Well, uh, Parrish kind of helps us focus a little bit. She says, okay, for K2, the goals uh, for number talks is to develop number sense. Uh, you know, like what is a number? Uh, how to take a number and break them apart. The fluency with small numbers, subitizing or subitizing, depending on <laughs> what you. I love that word. I know. I, I know. So thrown up when I use that word. Today we're going to subitize. <laughs> yeah, but every time I try and say subitize, half the audience say, "Isn't it subitize?" And then they, we spend twenty minutes talking about the pronunciation of the darn word. <laughs> so I never know. Uh, so she's she gives us that focus, right, for K two. Mm -hmm. And then she gives us a couple more for grades three through five, since mm -hmm. their needs are a little bit different. And um, it is to build upon that number sense a little bit more using place value and fluency. Um, and, and those properties, like connecting math ideas with other math ideas that they've constructed in the past. So it's kind of solidifying all the, the things that they learned in K2 to apply to um, other math ideas. Sure, sure. Now... The other thing, you know, when I'm coming around classes, oftentimes when I'm talking about number talks, the teachers will say, but how, how do you actually do a number talk? So uh, here's the deal. First, you have to establish, you know, some classroom, typical classroom routines that are not out of the out of the ordinary. Right. right. You've got your classic hand signals because you want silent signals. You don't want vocal 
um, signals because that's just annoying when kids are using their voices I to signal it, things. I got, oh, it. Yeah, I got three ways. I have 42 strategies. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, the other part of that routine is the teacher is going to quietly and patiently listen to that student and, and try and record that student's method without comment, try not to do any judgment. And then we can ask students to justify or defend their answers. Uh, another part of that routine is having students provide um, uh, with sentence frames. You know, we might provide students sentence frames to support their communication skills. So uh, a big concern that uh, some teachers might have is, well, what about the English language learners? Well, you provide sentence frames, right? And then um, ultimately, the, some of the biggest uh, portions of this routine is you have to establish a safe and supportive community because you're going to be asking kids to share some mental math. Uh, they, you know, this is kind of dangerous territory for some kids, although I find that the younger kids like K through two, K through three, they are more than willing to participate. But nonetheless, you still have to make sure you've established a safe and supportive environment. Right. And I think that's key. Um, you know, one of the things that you had said was recording solutions without comment, you know, like taking their ideas and not commenting on it. And I, I think that's one of the hardest things we as teachers do. Um, you know, we make comments, but I have found for myself, because I would often make comments to make them feel better or not better, but like just so that I, they know I'm listening, but I've switched that up. Instead of commenting, I ask further questions, you know, so that they know that I'm still interested and, and I'm also refining like what I'm understanding they're saying. And I feel like they appreciate that better than, oh yeah, I like your idea, honey, you know, or, mm, I don't know about that, you know. Right. Right. Well, because that it defeats the whole purpose of the number talk, right, is to have the kids develop that number sense. If if we are giving verbal or nonverbal cues that the kid is right, you know, when we go, oh, I like that or huh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we're giving, the, you know, we're defeating the whole purpose of uh, providing a problem and allowing allowing the students to construct their arguments and critique the arguments of others. Exactly. And like, it doesn't matter how much you prepare, um, you know, for something, if your classroom community or yeah, community doesn't feel safe to the kids, it won't have the impact that research states that it can, you know, it, which actually brings me to the next part of implementing, which is how teachers can prepare for a number talk. Um, I know this is where I used to get stuck a lot because I would overthink it in my head. Mm -hmm. I would think it needed to be this grand thing when really sometimes it, all it needs to be is a subtraction problem right. or an addition problem. So, you know, I have to back up and just consider the skills, you know, that my kids might need more practice with and then create a problem. And then once you get going with this, you can do something called a number string, um, you know, or a number, uh, problem string where you have three or four problems that are connected in some way that they can do. Right. That are kind of like almost spoon feeding them towards this ultimate conclusion to a strategy that you want them to get to. Exactly. Like, 
like um, an example, a real life example, let's do like maybe a first grade example would be if our goal is we want to expose our students to adding near doubles. So a number string that a teacher might choose um, would be, well, let's start with five plus five, then let's go to six plus six, and then our third problem and probably our final one would be five plus six. So the idea is we're kind of nudging our students towards um, a particular strategy. Um, I'm going to give everybody who's listening a little bit of a heads up though. though. With those number strings, don't overthink it just like you already said, Maggie. And um, don't freak out. Uh, as you kind of said, one problem is oftentimes enough. You don't have to create an, a string. Just give out one problem, five plus six. Mm -hmm and let students solve those problems in a myriad of ways. And I'll be honest, I didn't do number talks for quite a while because I was too in my head overthinking it. And then I had somebody come and model one for me and realized, oh, this this can be, you know, it's just getting the kids thinking, so. Right, now where have you found some examples? Okay, so um, I, for examples of like when I first started and didn't feel really comfortable like making my own up, I would actually go to the Number Talks book by Sherry Parrish. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a ton of sample problems and um, my favorite part um, was the DVD because it has videos of K through five teachers actually teaching a number talk. Um, and then I know she has the second book with fractions out that also has number problems that you can use um, to get going. Right. Now, the beautiful thing about her book um, is, okay, so her book does do those number strings, and um, but she sorts those problems by um, like strategies. So she'll have a big old huge collection of problems, number strings, all kind of geared towards nudging students towards a particular strategy. And, you know, the thing that I've found is if I'm not in the mood to do an entire string, I'll generally, in her little number string of like maybe four problems, oftentimes I'll just pick the fourth problem, that last one, which really in her mind is the punchline. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll just use that that last one problem, and that'll, that will be my entire... 10 or 15 minute number talk is that one problem because despite the fact that Sherry Parrish has totally awesomely laid out that book and super organized and all these collected strategies, it never fails that I'll put a problem and kids will will use six different strategies. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, I, I want to say to them, yeah, but that's not the strategy Sherry wants us working on. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, so why bother? So I just do that last problem and let the kids work on it. And we kind of hit all the strategies every time almost. Yeah, I think that that's a great piece of advice for sure. Yeah, now uh, a little piece of advice is, you know, when you're... <sighs> when you're kind of like wanting to nudge students towards a particular strategy. So like if you have a class that just is constantly, constantly, constantly using, let's say the count on method. So you can be mindful about the, the problem you choose and those problems, you can pull them from Sherry's book. Uh, they're great for nudging 
kids um, towards a particular strategy if you want to get them away from count on. So try some other, um, I don't know, intentionally selected problems. Uh, another idea is you might want to start with some easier problems. Go the other way. Uh, do some easier problems or problems with smaller mm -hmm. numbers so that the students can understand the math and then they can kind of extrapolate up to the more complicated numbers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know if this is a right or wrong answer, but sometimes I would, you know, front load one of my kids who might be struggling with a couple of strategies and give them something different, kind of like a plant. And then when we introduced it during number talks the following day, they'd feel all good about themselves because they had something nobody else had. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it may not have been authentic, but then they were able to kind of make it their own and, you know, spread that as well. But also um, that kind of goes back to like you should try to connect the number talk to the lesson of the day if you can, um, because it can really lead to strong conversations about the lesson that you're teaching or the concept that you're trying to teach. Um, you know, and the kids can hang their learning on on some sort of peg. Um, and then I think I want to just say one of the most important ideas to incorporate into your number talk, and I mentioned this earlier, is, you know, is the questioning without judgment. You know, it really helps co connect the discussion to the most efficient strategy or misconception that was uncovered or any aha moments. And it helps you as a teacher assess where your students are. Um, you know, it's kind of like a mini debrief as you're going through, but it gives you so much information if you're thoughtfully asking questions, which um, in the book, Making Number Talks Matter by the Humphreys and Parker, like they have quite a few question strings that you can use to get you started until you really see what works for you. Right. And, and that non-judgment is just going to feed into the growth mindset that we want to have our students be developing, right? Totally. If, if they can be the, hmm, the owners of deciding whether something is right and they get to be the critiquers of arguments, uh, that's kind of the goal of, of what we want. Now, now one of the things you said, Maggie, is uh, it's nice if you can make a problem lead into the mm -hmm. lesson. What I've discovered with some of my students, I mean, with some of my teachers, is uh, one of my best emails I ever received a few years ago after I went to a particular school, taught the, all the teachers how to do a number talk. She, uh, this one particular teacher had really bought into the routine. She was doing them three or four times a week. And then I got an email from her. Uh, it's the best email ever. She said, hey, Dwayne, uh, I just want to let you know about this crazy thing that happened. We had, didn't have time to do a number talk. So we just jumped right into the lesson. And in the middle of the lesson, we got stuck on one of the problems. And all of a sudden, a number talk emerged. <laughs> you know, so it, it was like, a, I don't know, a mind blower for me that when you get this number talk routine going, they become second nature and you're right in the middle of your lesson. You may bust out in what essentially becomes a number talk, but it's directly related to your lesson. So it's the backwards way from what you yep. had said, rather than choosing a problem that connects to the lesson from within the lesson, you may discover a number talk. And that's the beauty of these things is that, 
you can really, I mean, they are versatile in, in, in that respect. I think you can, you know, start scaffolding it and then hopefully it will get there on its own. And I know as a teacher, those were some of my most favorite lessons when the number talks would automatically start, um, you know, driven by the kids. It just made me feel like, oh, you're doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to bring back UDL again from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Some things that, um, because we want to make sure we're meeting the needs of all of our kids, right? And some of these number talks might not exactly be uh, appropriate for some of our kids. Well, not might not really meet the needs of some of our kids. For example, our English language learners. Maybe uh, for a number talk, they're their current phase of language acquisition is just to listen. So we don't need to force them to speak. Perhaps they're just at the phase where they're just listening to math being spoken about. So that's fine. But we might want to take those English language learners um, and pull them aside after the number talk, perhaps during math workshop time. So while students are kind of at their various centers, one of our centers might be a repeat or an echo of that very same number talk. But all we're doing is changing the engagement. Instead of a whole class sitting at the floor, maybe it's now two or three kids sitting at a table with the teacher. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's when you bring in those sentence frames to even scaffold them a little bit more. Perfect. And that's exactly. So the idea is take this number talk and keep it five to 10 minutes, knowing that it's not going to meet everybody's needs, but you can change the engagement and have an echo of that number talk and and do it again later. Um, Keep in mind when, as the students are sharing, now we can form, uh, pay attention to that second principle of UDL, which is uh, representation. The idea of some students might speak Um, a solution method that kind of harkens to number bonds, while another student might use a math solution that sort of is best represented by number lines or tape diagrams. So the idea for a teacher from a representation point of view, listen to that student's explanation in the number talk and connect a really powerful visual to that student's explanation. So it's possible to have a number talk poster end up with like a number line, a rectangle, a number bond, 10 frame, decomposition, you know, just a whole ton of visual representations mm-hmm. to go with the student solution. That keeps, that like totally jarred my memory. We didn't even tell teachers, like if you haven't done number talks, um, while the kids are talking, you are actually writing their strategies up on the board and if you're not or on a poster paper you know and if you're not quite understanding that's when you start asking questions did i did i capture your thinking correctly on the page or um so that's a key part part is you are giving a visual to their words that's true. 22 minutes into our episode on number talks, we finally are saying, oh, yeah, by the way, write this down as the kids are talking. Write it yeah, down. Well, when you, you know, it's like when you're doing something so often that you love, sometimes you forget the small pieces, even though they're not that small. 
That's true. So speaking of 22 minutes, it's time for us to wrap up this edition of Infinite Insights. So Maggie, what are your closing thoughts? I think number talks are one of the most powerful tools that you can use in a math class, whether you are teaching kindergarten or 12th grade. The routines of talking and writing help you uncover student thinking while giving students the time to practice and talk, um, which we all know kids love to do. How about you, Dwayne? What are your closing thoughts? I'm just going to say number talks are the gateway drug to the common core. And if we get teachers doing number talks, the idea of having students talk about a variety of solution methods, doing it mental, so they're uh, mentally, so they're practicing their um, number sense, man, this world is going to be a better place. I totally agree. Thank you, Dwayne. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Infinite Insights this week, the podcast for all K-12 math teachers. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Send us a shout out on Twitter. Uh, I am at D. Habecker, or you can do Maggie at Pele Lover one I don't know why that cracks me up every single it's time. The, it's the uh, volcano goddess. It's the, the lava. Oh. Yeah. Lots of player, which lots of people think. Anyway. See, that's what I was Yeah. Thinking. All right. As usual, everyone, have a great week. Dwayne, you have a great and week, too. Absolutely. And we will see you every other Monday here at Infinite Insights.